Welcome. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of my weekly podcast, Writing Through the Pain. This is your host and Winnipeg multidisciplinary artist, Ingrid D. Johnson. Thank you, everyone, for joining me as I discuss, explore, and discover what facing and slowly healing after the trauma of childhood sexual abuse looks like in several areas of life, beginning with my childhood years and into my teens and then slowly into my adult life. Thank you for choosing to go on this healing journey with me as I share pieces of my story from my upcoming book and also interviews with other people that are connected to my story. Would you like to do more to show your support for this podcast? Then please, subscribe, leave a tip in any amount, or become a monthly sponsor by contributing $5 a month or more through our PayPal link. That link is www.paypal.com forward slash paypalme, all one word, forward slash ITC sponsorship. In return, you will receive a quarterly newsletter, a download code to my album Visions and Dreams, and 10% discount off all new In the Closet Productions products and services. Every dollar you contribute will be used to produce inspiring original music, live music shows, speaking engagements, this podcast, and other creative projects that helps to draw awareness to the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Thank you so much for your wonderful support. My Story, Part 19 Hookers and Big Dreams Before my husband came into my life, I dreamt of love, marriage, kids, a home. I dreamt of being something more than a broken, wounded, lonely soul. I dreamt of being loved, cherished, chosen, whole. But before I could ever be all of that, I would make a lot of mistakes chasing love and opening my body and my heart to guys who were emotionally unavailable. You see, when I was young, I used to think that love could only come from a romantic relationship, so I sought that more than anything else. I made it an idol in my life, and lust, my love. Sex became my spirituality and the thing that drew me further away from God and any real possibility of true unconditional love. Being sexually abused as a child taught me that sex was the only way I could ever give and receive love. It taught me that I did not matter and that no one would ever love my soul or see me for me. I didn't have the wisdom back then in my teens or even in my 20s to understand that To understand it was just a lie. I didn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ to help me find out who I truly was. So I let others define me. And when I say others, I mean those who gossiped about me and called me a slut behind my back. Strangers who did not know me but had no problem judging my bad choices in life instead of noticing the pain I was carrying around inside me that led to my bad choices in life in the first place. After Isaac Omega made that sex tape of me without my consent and shared it with his friends, 
things got really dark for me, but I forced myself to go out to social events with my head held high. I knew people were talking about me and saying things that weren't true, but it wouldn't be the first time in my life that people were cruel to me. Not the first time at all. During my time with Wade Sinclair, who a lot of girls liked, I experienced my own version of Mean Girls, the movie, by my own black community. It reminded me of being bullied at church by the pastor's granddaughter as a kid, but this time I was being bullied by a pack of random black girls, 20-something black girls, led by my ex-best friend, Lucy, who hated me for no real reason except jealousy. Lucy was fierce in her hatred of me and made it her mission in life to rally other black females who disliked me too to bully me at the club. They even pranked my house once with calls telling me that the next time I came to the club, I would be beaten up. They were bullies who hated me for no real reason except for a guy liking me instead of them. It, it was crazy. So crazy and unreal. I remember one time when I was 18 years old, Wade and I arrived together at the popular urban nightclub and he had to rescue me from a group of angry black girls plotting to attack me on the way to the bathroom by myself. I was clueless to the danger I was in or why they had it out for me, so it did not make any sense to me when he came running and jumped in front of me to stop them from attacking me. I hadn't stole Wade from anyone. And he wasn't exactly my boyfriend. But girls just seemed bent on threatening me on my phone at home and in person over him. But I refused to let them control my life. I went out to the club week after week despite the verbal threats of being beaten up by them. And I continued going wherever I wanted to go. That was a social event. It was a crazy time. But I refused to be oppressed by them. Eventually, the mob seemed to calm down, and my threatening prank call stopped. And Wade did not need to look out for me anymore as much as he did back then. And slowly, we stopped sleeping together, too. He got to be with his beloved Raina again, and I was brokenhearted. Because now I was hung up on Wade Sinclair. I saw that he cared about me, and I wanted to be with him, but he wanted Raina instead. I was caught up in a cycle of chasing emotionally unavailable guys and hurting the guys willing to show me love. I was a mess, and the worst part was, I could not see my patterns back then. I just kept jumping from one dysfunctional relationship to another, until one day I met a guy, a great guy, at 19 who wasn't afraid to love me for me, a guy who actually saw me. Me, the real me. He was a guy who gave me a taste of true love that I wouldn't experience again until I was really ready for love at 32. A guy I did not deserve at 19 came into my life. And somehow I ended up hurting him too because of my dysfunctional ways. His name was David Smith. He was smart, black, stocky, handsome, funny, kind, ambitious, generous, and fun. He came into my life unexpectedly when I was 19 years old, and for a year of my life, he showed me that romance could include a guy who not only treats you like a lover, but also like a very best friend. 
For almost the entire year with him, I was a good girl. I moved out of my apartment on Cornish Avenue and into a new place on Capel Street, a nicer apartment, a bigger apartment. I dropped out of childcare. I didn't like my program at Red River College. To me, it wasn't practical. Instead, I got a job at the front desk of a hotel. Around that time, I also started babysitting for hookers as a side gig. I know, strange. But it was an unexpected job I stumbled upon through a friend who dabbled in that lifestyle off and on. She knew I liked taking care of kids. And although I hated my childcare program at the college, I didn't mind helping hookers take care of their kids. It gave me practical experience that my program at school never could, and before long I was taking care of several children on a regular basis that had single mothers working the streets at night to make ends meet. During that time in my life, that crazy time in my life, I was able to ignore the lifestyle choices of of the women around me who employed me to take care of their kids, simply because I liked their kids. Although I never really understood their choice to be in the sex trade industry when they had other skills and beautiful, wonderful kids to look forward to every night and every day, Their lifestyle choice made no sense to me. But I figured they also needed good child care. They needed someone safe to leave their kids with. And they deserved that. A reliable babysitter that could really take care of their kids. So I offered them my services and shut them down any time conversation came up aimed at talking me into doing what they did. I was just the babysitter, I told them. A reliable caregiver for their kids. A woman uninterested in their unconventional lifestyle and only in caring for their kids. In exchange for a fee of $20 a kid, free snacks at their house, TV, movies, and a safe ride home at the end of the night. That was our arrangement, and they honored it every time they called me to babysit for them. And though $20 per child was not really a lot of money for babysitting, over time I saved up $1,000 from babysitting their children to book my very first trip to New York City, my favorite big city in the world. Life was looking up for me, and I had put my feelings for Wade, Isaac, and Desi behind me. Lucy and those other mean girls had stopped bullying me. And I was in a healthy monogamous relationship with David Smith, a guy who adored me and supported my dreams. He would even help me out with my babysitting. I was happy with him. I was good with him, but not fully content. The problem was I still had lingering feelings for Wade Sinclair and Isaac Omega, despite the horrible things Isaac had done to me. Those feelings brought out the worst in me, those lingering feelings that were unresolved. And once again, the side of my personality that I call Candy came out to blow up my perfect one-year relationship with David Smith. It all started with a visit from Wade Sinclair, which led to more than catching up with an old friend, a secret that later tortured me until I couldn't take it anymore and I confessed my sins. David was destroyed. 
and couldn't believe that the girl who was breaking his heart was me. But somehow he chose to forgive me. He forgave me for what I had done and I couldn't believe he did it. This was how I learned that cheating on someone who chooses to forgive and stay with you, it can be torture when you see the damage that you've done. For weeks, David was not the same guy. He was sad all the time and he never looked at me the same. I had crushed his spirit and I couldn't stand seeing the damage I had done. I wanted to flee. So over the next few weeks, I tried to get David to break up with me and walk away. But he refused to end our relationship out of love for me. I felt like a monster, so I broke up with him. And as punishment, I forgave Isaac Omega for what he did to me and even started seeing him again. This crushed all hope in David of me and him ever getting back together. And within a few months, Isaac Omega and I started dating and eventually living together. David was a good boyfriend who loved me. His mother loved me too, but I didn't feel worthy of his love, so I blew up our relationship. I was disturbed, but I could not see myself clearly enough to understand why I was being the way I was. I could not see the patterns that were emerging in my love life and in my friendships too, and so the lessons I had to learn in order to change were hard and painful ones. In fact, it would be a long time before I would ever ever find a guy as loving and caring as David again. David was a blessing. He supported my dream. He supported my dream to be a model. A dream I started to pursue seriously after a lady I passed in Portage Place Mall in Winnipeg took one look at me and told me, you should be a model. I don't know what it was about her that made me take what she said to me so seriously. All I know is after what she said to me, the pursuit of modeling took over my life and started and started being everything I wanted. I studied the fashion industry like crazy. I studied the supermodel lifestyle religiously. I started chasing my dream to be a model at a modeling convention in Calgary and also Minneapolis, where I would connect with two women as passionate about pursuing their dream of being a model as much as I was. One, a friendly enemy for a short season in my life. And the other, a longtime complicated friend. A woman also shaped by trauma, who at first meeting seemed far from becoming someone I would be friends with for a very, very long time. To be continued... Did you enjoy this recent episode? Then stay tuned for a brand new episode of Writing Through the Pain, My Story Continued, every Wednesday night. Tune in next week, where I will share more of my story dealing with the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Well, as usual, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues, family members, acquaintances, and friends. After all, you never know who this podcast might speak to, inspire, uplift, inform, or help to break their silence about an incident or incidents of childhood sexual abuse in their lives. To leave a message about an episode of this podcast, 
or to become a potential guest on the show, please message me at anchor.fm forward slash Ingrid D. Johnson, all one word, forward slash message. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for supporting my mission. Good night and God bless you, my friends.